It is our privilege to have for these revival services Reverend Junior Serzano. And to our radio listeners and internet listeners, I just want to make sure you caught that, that today you are listening to Reverend Junior Serzano because I don't want our radio listeners to be scratching their heads and thinking it doesn't sound like Pastor Nick and it doesn't sound like Pastor Lisa. Who is this other wonderful, outstanding, fantastic, marvelous preacher? Well, he is the minister of our London First Church of the Nazarene. He is a dear husband and father. He is a friend of mine, and he is a part of the family of God Amen. in the Church of the Nazarene and worldwide. Amen. Read him, would you? Amen. Junior Susano. Brother, God bless you. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Amen. the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Nick. It's a joy. It's a joy to be here with the Rosewood family. This is our church away from home, if you understand that. My family always believes that Rosewood is our other church on the district. Our youngest daughter always says, where are you going, Dad? And if I say Rosewood, she would say, oh, that's my favorite church. I said, so what happened to London? <laughs> you know, but no, but praise the Lord. It's so good to be back in Rosewood. We thank God for what he's doing here. We thank God for the blessings that he continues to bestow upon you and upon his kingdom. But most of all, we thank God that we can be here to worship, hallelujah, to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, this is Sunday. This is victory day. This is resurrection day. This is the day the Lord has made. And we are here to rejoice in it. This is the day that the kingdom of God is going to grow. Because God has a plan for you and I this morning. God has a word for you and I this morning. And we bless him. Hallelujah. Amazing grace. Thank you, Katian. That was amazing. Praise God. And I know that God is preparing us for what he will do and what he will accomplish this week. You see, it's not about me. I don't bring revival. It's not about you, but it's about God. Amen. You see, evangelism is the work that you and I do for God. But revival is what God will do in us and through us. And I thank God that you have been preparing, that you have been praying, that you have been seeking, because you see, there are hindrances to revival. And one of the hindrances of revival is prayerlessness. When the people fail to pray, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then they will hear from me. And that's what this week is all about. It's all about us seeking God. Amen. It's all about us encountering God. So we thank God that we can be here today. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. And I want to speak on the topic this morning. Jesus, reset my faith and do a new thing. Jesus, reset my faith and do a new thing. If you and I are seeking revival, we need to be prepared to be reset by God. Recently, my wife and I picked up a book 
by Chris Hall called Reset. And it really spoke to our hearts. In London, we are going through a construction renovation major program, and we have been in transition for the past six months. And as we launched the fall, we were praying, well, Lord, what will be our theme? And we decided that in this time of fall, this time of transition, that God needed to reset our church, to reset our lives. And I want us this morning to be mindful that for revival to occur, you and I need to be willing to be reset by God. Not by the preacher, not by the pastor, not by the song evangelist, but by God. And then the prophet Isaiah, speaking to the people of Israel, who needed revival, who needed a time of reset, said, in his word, in Isaiah 43, reading from verse 14, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. For I am the Lord, your Holy One, King. This is what he says. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. And this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Hear the words. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Amen. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? Father, bless your word. Open our hearts and our eyes so that we will not just only be hearers of your word, but Father, that we will be obedient to walk and live in your word and to be blessed by your word. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes. You see, prior to revival, the prayers of God's people are characterized by contrition and a desire to break with all known sin. And that's the reality of it. For in order to experience a new thing, we need to have a transforming encounter with God. Amen. We need to have a transforming encounter with God. All of us need to understand that. The prophet Habakkuk cried out, Oh Lord! Revive your work in the midst of the years. Revive your people. You see, a new thing is God reviving us. G. Campbell Morgan, the great preacher of bygone generation, defined it like this. He said, revival is the reanimation of the life of the believer. The reanimation, the coming back to life of the believer. It is not the unregenerate as they are dead in sin. And many of us here today are believers. Many of us have come to church. Many of us, yes, said this is Sunday. This is the day that God is going to do something in my heart and life. This is the day I need to encounter God. I need to experience God. This is the day that I want God to do a new thing. But for God to do that, we need to be in that place 
where God can revive us. Revival always begins, not only with the conversion of sinners, but especially with the reanimation of God's people. Amen. Are you there? Are you willing? Are you open to hear from God? As I said earlier, you know, evangelism is what God calls you and I to do. Go into the world and be witnesses. But revival is what God will do in us. And what God wants to accomplish in us. And in order for God to do a new thing, in order for us to receive what I believe is times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, that's what I have come for this week. You see, I've been, oh yeah, busy, we're doing a lot. But I thank God for this week of revival. And I said to the Lord, Lord, if it's one thing, begin in me. I want to experience times of refreshing in my life. I want to encounter you, no matter what. Because you know why? Past blessings will not sustain it. You see, forget the former things, Isaiah said. Yes, we could think about, oh, I've been there and this and that. But no, my friends, oh, yes, God has done this and that. But you know, every day I wake up. I wake up and say, thank God for this day. This is the day, a new day that I have. I'm blessed to have the gift of life. I'm blessed to be in this day. There are many others who don't have that opportunity. So God, I want you to do a new thing for me in this day. I want you to transform me that I can be a blessing. You see, we are blessed to bless. Amen? I hope you realize that. Selfish people cannot be blessed. We are blessed to bless. And many a times I realize, I say, God, pour on the blessings. Because the more I get blessed, is the more I want to bless. And I have that attitude of openness to God. And Isaiah tells us here, in the time of my favor, I will answer you. In the day of salvation, I will help you. And this is the word. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land, to reassign its desolate inheritances, to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. Amen. Thank God for that today. And thank God that you and I, as we come in God's presence, can experience a reset. You see, Jesus is offering that reset for all of us today. All of us. A do-over, regardless of where you are right now. You could be in the lowest valley, or you could be scraping the sky from the mountainous high. Wherever you are, Jesus is ready to take you further and deeper. Amen. He is. Are you ready to receive it? Are you ready to perceive it, as Isaiah says? You see, we may not always realize it, but Jesus is always there. He's with us in our pain. He's with us in our struggles. He's with us sometimes even in unbearable experiences that the life brings. He's with us holding us close and offering us a way out. God can reset your faith and my faith as we indeed allow him to work in us. But you and I have to crawl out sometimes of that valley of despair. You and I have to be willing to go into the arms of Jesus. Amen. You and I have to be ready. When Billy Graham and friends launched Youth for Christ in the 1940s, they had the slogan, geared to the times, anchored to the rock. Amen. Geared to the times, anchored to the rock. 
The truth that was true then, I believe, is still true today. Jesus is for you. Jesus is for me. Jesus loves you. Jesus is ready to pull us out of those wind-whipped waves, the raging storms of life. And whatever aspect of our lives that we are in, we need a reset. We need to understand what Jesus is saying. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. I got your back. I have your back. You can trust me. I want to reset your self-image. I want to reset your purity. I want to reset your relationships. I want to reset your faith. How important that is. We must understand that. You see, I thank God that Jesus is always at work. I always say to people, hey, be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. And that's true. No matter how long you're a Christian, no matter how long you've been in this church, God is still working on you. He's working from the pulpit through the pew. He's working on all of us. And we need to understand that. But some of us are not in that place. And sometimes God is calling us, trying to get our attention, and we're not wanting to listen. You see, it's like the story of the atheist and the bear. There was this atheist who was take, said, oh, this is a beautiful day. Look at the blue skies. Let me take a walk through the park. So he's walking through the park, and he's admiring, wow, look at what has happened to all this cosmic explosion. The water was flowing, the beautiful stream. The birds were whistling. He could feel the crisp air on his face. And as he's walking along, thinking, yes, this is what it is, all of a sudden he heard some rustling in the bushes. And he looked around, and as he looked around, he saw a big grizzly bear that was just looking at him. Immediately he froze. He stopped right there, and he thought, what do I do? And you know the emotion kicks in. It's fight or flight. He wisely started to run. And as he started running, the bear started chasing. And eventually, he tripped and fell over. And the bear came over him and raised its paw, and he cried out, oh my God. And well, you know what happened? All of a sudden, everything froze. The water stopped flowing. The birds stopped whistling. The breeze stopped blowing. And a voice from heaven came and said, wait, did I just hear you call my name? You called me and said, oh my God? And he, and he said, yes, God. <laughs> and God says, wait a minute. You who deny my existence, you who say that all of this, my creation, is due to a cosmic explosion. You denied me, and yet you just called my name? <laughs> well, he paused, and then he said, well, God, you know, you're right. I can't be a hypocrite. Because I really do deny that you are God. I really say you don't exist. But you know, you know my dire circumstances right now. (laughs) And God, I hear and they say that you answer prayer. So my prayer is right now, God, if you grant me this one exception. God, could you make that bear Christian? (laughs) (laughs) So God said, Sure, that's not a problem. I'm a gracious God. Okay, 
So the wind started to blow again, the stream started to flow, the birds started whistling, and all of a sudden the bear put its other paw up and, said, and his hands together and said, Father, for this meal I'm about to have, I thank you. <laughs> you know? What does it take to reset your life today? Does it take dire circumstances? Does it take situations that are beyond your control? Situations that you don't realize that you cannot change? Some of us need to experience that to hear from God. Some of us, my friends, have to go through the school of hard knocks. Some of us always have to be in that place where we could say, okay, God, you know, keep calling. And God is calling us to come closer and to receive a new beginning. But we keep pushing back. We keep pushing back. We know there are situations in our lives that God needs to reset. You see, it's normal, my friends, to realize in everything we need a makeover at times. You know, in your home, you do renovations. You paint, you do other things, you realize you need to have maintenance. That is normal. We do maintenance in our life. We do maintenance, you know, in our cars. It doesn't come automatic. Some of us feel reset is like that reset button in your car. You just press the button and everything resets. You know, if your phone goes weary, they tell you, just reset it. But no, spiritually, it doesn't work like that. We cannot just press a button and say, all right, Jesus, boink. that's it. I'm cool. Everything is fixed. No. It's a work in progress. And that's why we have revival. We come to God recognizing we need maintenance. We need renewal. We need transformation. We need reanimation. We need God to give us life. And we need to get on fire so people could see why we burn. We need God to move in our lives. You know, my son, you know, at one time was doing work in a garage as a mechanic. And he told us the story. We were actually at our growth group a few Fridays ago. And he said, you wouldn't believe this. One time when we were there, a guy had a vehicle towed to our garage. The vehicle was just over five years old. And he came there and he says, look, I've just had to tow this piece of junk. And he said, but that's a beautiful vehicle. What's wrong? What's wrong with your vehicle? You know, he said, it's done. The engine is totally shot. Well, he said, your warranty is over. You know, you don't have any warranty. But what about your maintenance records? Maybe we could check that out and see if there's anything. Maybe we could approach the manufacturers and so on. The guy looked at them, he said, and just looked at them and said, maintenance? <laughs> yeah, they said, don't you have maintenance records? of what you do for the vehicle? He said, man, I've had this vehicle for five years, and all I do is put gas. <laughs> they say, you can't be serious. Have you ever changed the oil? What oil? What oil? <laughs> <laughs> In five, this is a true story. In five years, he never changed the oil. The engine locked. That's what happened. And you know, when you think about that, that's like some of us, spiritually. We don't realize it. We might believe he thought he had a good vehicle. We might say it's a good product. 
We might think we're a good person. We might think, oh yeah, I go to church occasionally. Oh yeah, I, 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 you know, I believe in God. But do we allow God to do maintenance in our lives spiritually? Do we allow God to come in the places where we don't want him to come? See, some of us say, God, hey, I'll be your child, but you see that position there, God? You could come up to that point, but no more. That's it. I don't want you to touch me in that area. No, 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 God. But you see, my friends, you and I know we need to allow God to work in our lives. Amen. We need to understand that God wants to be with us even in our suffering. He said there will be no more suffering in silence when I am in your life. There will be no bearing pain alone because I am the God who healeth. I am the God who will never leave you nor forsake you. There will be no feeling helpless or hopeless because he said I have you in my righteous right hand because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There'll be no more hate or self-harm because you understand, he says, I am the God of love, the God who says you need to forgive 70 times seven. I am the God who heals. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how convinced you are that you can never change, regardless of how cynical you are to God, he invites all of us, to a renewed relationship with him. He invites us to allow him to reset our souls. And my friends, I'm saying this morning, this is the time, this is the hour that God has ordained for the kingdom of God to be glorified. This is the time when God can make a difference in your life that you have never even perceived. And that's why the prophet reminded them, even though you've been in a time of doom and gloom, even though you've been in a time of captivity, even though you've gone through all of that, I want you to know that same God is the God who can do a new thing. That same God is the God who is saying, I will renew you. I will restore you. I will bring life to you once again. You see, the beauty of reset is that it implies a fresh start that was designed by Creator God. A fresh start that only comes through Jesus. And that's why I appreciated those two songs, Katian. You see, a fresh start begins with God's amazing grace. Amen. I thank God that grace is greater than all our sin. I thank God that God looks beyond my faults and he sees my needs. I thank God that God is closer than any brother. He's there. You see, we have to learn to have faith in God. What kind of faith do you have today? Yes, you'd say, oh yeah, I have faith, I have faith. Yeah, we all do. You know, even the atheist has faith. And that's true. The unbeliever has faith. We walk places we have never gone and we just have faith that that place could take my weight. I sit on a chair I've never sat on before. I exercise faith. You know, there are many types of faith. Spiritually, we understand that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the promise of things not seen, the Bible tells us. But the Bible also tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you and I need to understand this. You know, there's the illustration of a story of Louis Palau Association. They are evangelistic revival association 
that has existed for many years. And they were doing, this is true, a crusade. They had planned this great crusade in India. They were preparing for months. Their goal was to preach to half a million people in one week. And so they began this crusade, but there was a problem. When they began the crusade, it rained so much the first night that only 200 people attended. Then it rained for three consecutive nights. The team prayed and prayed. They kept crying out to God, but it did not stop raining. On the fourth morning, the team was ready to throw in the towel when an Australian evangelist arrived, beaming with joy, which was not appreciated by most of those who were present, most of the team, he told the story that the night before, he was speaking to one of the local pastors and asked him if the people in the area thought that their gods were somehow defeating our God, Jesus Christ, because God did not stop the rain. But he responded, haven't you heard? This part of India is dependent on its agriculture, and it hasn't rained in months. The people have been dying due to the lack of food in the midst of, the dr of this drought and famine. The whole country knew that the crusade meetings were scheduled to begin on January 28th. And on the very day, the heavens opened and, it, and rain poured out and poured down in such amazing power. At this point, the pastor said ecstatically, people don't think that their gods are defeating yours. Not at all. Word is spreading through the villages that the God of the Christians have brought rain. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> and he said that, you wouldn't believe it, in the last three days of that crusade, over 200,000 people came to know Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. You see, my friends, they taught God needed their voices. Think about it. Sometimes we think like that. When all God needed was our presence. That's what he said. And you and I can think of revival. Think of being reset. And you may have an agenda for this week. But God, my friends, says no. I am the one who has the agenda. Amen. What I need is your presence. What I need is you to be willing to humble yourself and to seek my face. Then I will bring revival. Then I will reset your lives. You see, the crux of faith, my friends, is different to just any ordinary faith. The faith that God wants for us to have this week is a faith that will distinguish us above the crowds, above those around us. Because you see, my friends, you need to understand that many people are looking at us and they need to see God. And this week I'm going to talk about these issues. Tonight we're going to talk about God resetting our plans. Tomorrow we're going to do something that we need to do in our lives. We need to take out the garbage. You know? 
We need to understand also this week, what, it is, what does it mean to be distinctively Christian? For God to work in us, we have to be people of faith. And as I said earlier, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we need that faith. We saw people like Noah and, Noah and Abraham, men of faith. And we read about them and we say, praise God for such faith. Imagine this. Even when the world looked at Noah and probably said, he's a lunatic. He's crazy. I always smile to think about that. Imagine Hollywood took that story and made a movie called Evans Almighty. You see? Social, you know, in that way, secular. But yet, what was the principle? And many people, just like in Noah's time, were saying, Noah, you crazy. What are you doing building an ark? Why are you wasting time? What stupidness is that? You know? He might have been seen as a lunatic. And I want you to think about that today. Because you see, the people of God who are people of faith will do things that some people cannot understand. They will live in a realm of faith that people will be amazed and sometimes criticize. But that's the crux of faith. And I ask you, have you ever thought of what radical faith looks like? What radical faith really looks like? I believe this is a day and age if we are to be geared for the times. And anchored to the rock, we need to have radical faith. If we are invited into an adventure with Jesus, let me say this. Let me ask this. Why then our first instinct is always to turn to human reason rather than to divine intervention? Why is it sometimes we want to let the mind of man spin and let and not allow God to do his work. We typically don't see life situations through the lens of faith. But God calls us to be a people of faith. He calls us to have eyes of faith, my friends. You know the story of the 12 spies that went out. They saw what God had said. As a people of God, we have seen who God is. We know God is real. I tell people I don't have to defend God. I don't defend God anymore. I don't have to. What I do, I proclaim God. I proclaim him. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. Amen. And I'm not ashamed. But I don't have to defend him. And recently I was talking to a guy and I said, hey, bro, that's up to you. That's your choice. But you see where I'm concerned? I know what I know. I know God is real. And I've proven what he said. And no matter what you do or say, it's not going to change my lens of faith. Amen. Because I've seen God. And just like Joshua and Caleb, when they said to the other ten, oh yes, there are giants in the land. Oh yes, it is true. But the difference was, hey, it just means we have more food because they're going to be bread for us. That's what they said. Yes? Let us rise up and possess and I'm saying to you, there are giants in your lives. There are giants that you may face in the years to come. But the difference is, when you and I are walking and living by faith, we will be able to overcome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, being radical 
means following Jesus totally. Laying down our lives, dying to ourselves, and living for God. We have to thrive in a faith-fueled life. So I ask you today, are you willing to allow Jesus to reset your faith? A lot of Christians have a lackluster experience. If you know me, I am passionate about what I do. Amen. I love Jesus because Jesus has done wonderful things for me. I am here by the grace of God. And I am grateful for what God has done. And if I have to give it all, I give him all. I go it all the way. I am passionate about Jesus. You see, faith redefines safety to be the moments of God dependence rather than the moments that don't require God at all. Are you hearing me? Right. Let me repeat it. Faith redefines safety to, the, to be the moments of God dependence rather than the moments that don't require God at all. You and I need to experience faith. Someone spelled faith as R-I-S-K, risk. That's what they spelled it as. You see, they understood that there's no growth inside the comfort zone. And outside the comfort zone is where faith thrives. Amen. Habakkuk said, in the face of injustice, in the face of hardship, and in the face of depravity, he said, this is what God says, for I am going to do something new in your days that you will not believe, if, even if you were told. Are you ready for God to do something new? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for God to come, my friends? You need to review the evidence. You need to renew the awe of who God is. And you need to reaffirm, reaffirm your trust in the living God. God is able. We're going to sing that hymn that says, I believe, search me, O God. And that hymn is going to prepare us to, to respond to God's call in our lives. You see, faith-fueled living demands that we do not choose to follow the status quo, but that we will choose to seek to follow faith, Amen. to live faithful lives, to live lives where you learn to trust God even when you can't see him. You learn to trust God even when you can't understand him. You learn to trust God even when you know that situation may not be the best. Faith is such, my friends, that you are saying, hey, God, I know you are a good God. And even right now, even with a pain in my hip or in my knee, even though, Lord, I don't feel physically good, I know that you are alive. And I know that you're in my heart. And I know that you are real. And I want you to do a great work in my life. It is up to us to receive. And I always say, if you don't believe, how can you receive? Do you believe that Jesus can reset your faith today? Amen. Do you believe that he wants to do a new thing in your life? Do you believe that, my friends? Maybe some of us need to do some business with God. And I know God is speaking to our hearts right now. And God wants us to experience him if we will allow him. Let us stand together. As God's spirit speaks to us, God is going to do what he will. I'm not going to belabor this message. 
But I believe the time of God's speaking, the time of God's doing is now before us. And I want us to be open to God. You see, it's great to preach. It's good to hear a good sermon. People say, oh, wow, good message, preacher. But that's not what it's about. It's about you and I reflecting on what God is saying to us. What have you heard from God this morning? What have you been hearing this past month in those messages Pastor Nick and others have been preaching? Have you taken time to reflect and to respond? Have you taken time to let God do what he needs to do? Well, now is the time. Behold, I am doing a new thing. It's going to spring up among you. But are you in the place where you can perceive it? Where you can receive it? So as they sing, I want us to come before God today. As God's Spirit speaks to you, not because of me. As God's Spirit has spoken to your heart, you know your situation. God knows your situation. And God says, are you willing to allow me to reset your faith. Let's sing it. And as they sing, join us. So wherever you are, you can stand, you can kneel, you can sit. But join with us. Let's pray. Let's ask God to minister. Father God, we bow in your presence today. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we come before you boldly. Because this is what you said. That we can approach the throne of grace boldly and find help and find deliverance and find victory. Because we said this is Sunday. This is the Lord's day. This is the resurrection day. This is the day of victory. This is the day of deliverance. This is the day when God you are doing a new thing among us Lord. And we are here today. Not with emotion Lord. It's not about that. We are here today saying oh God like Isaiah when he saw your holiness in the temple he cried out ah, oh Lord help me. For I am undone. I'm a man who dwell among unclean people. I'm a man of unclean lips. We know Nehemiah. Nehemiah recognized the same. And he cried out, Oh God, be attentive unto the prayer of your people who desire to fear your name. And Father, we ask right now that your spirit indeed will accomplish what is necessary. You are the God who does miracles. You are the amazing God. The God who is at work tonight. The God who calls us. The God who is here with us. The God who is saying, behold, I am doing a new thing. A new thing. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change your attitude. I am going to come afresh. And I am going to continue to work in a miraculous way. In ways you will not perceive in ways you cannot understand, in such a way 
that you will know that I am God, that you will re recognize my awe. You will realize the presence. You will experience great and mighty things that only God can do. You will know that he is God, that he is at work, that he is able. So bless your children here today, Father. Bless each and every one, even for those who are in the pews, God, who are unable in the chairs, unable to walk forward. We want to pray a blessing upon them, even those in the balcony, wherever we are today, Father. We are believing, we are receiving that you are doing a new thing. You are resetting our faith, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, for we acknowledge it's not by might. It's not by human reason or human power, but it is by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, be Lord. Be Lord. Lord, I praise thee, as the song says. We praise thee, O oh God, for cleansing our heart from sin. And I know there are those who have said, Lord, forgive me of my sins here today. There are those who have said, yes, Jesus, I repent of my sins. I acknowledge my wrath. I want to do what is right. Reset my faith. So I praise thee, O oh God, for cleansing my heart from sin. Fulfill your word and make me pure within. Oh God, remove my shame and grant my desire to magnify thy name. This is our prayer and we thank you, Lord. We thank you and we bless each and every one here. Hallelujah.